You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good afternoon and welcome to America's Web Radio. And it's time for Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And we've got Lieutenant Colonel Philip Farsberg on with us again today, which is great. And um, Philip was there and... uh, Seen there, seen that, and done that. And uh, we're going to be talking to him about a very interesting subject. It's not, it's not a good subject, but it's an interesting one. And uh, we've got, or Phil has some good news for us. And um, first off, we're going to start like we always do with our thinking of our brothers and sisters that have given the ultimate sacrifice one way or the other and those that are on active duty right now. Uh, And uh, we'll be talking about that. And first we're going to pause for just a moment of silence and let everybody think about how lucky we are to have the most wonderful military in the world and those that have gone before us and those that will come after us. And we'll just stop right now for just a moment of silence. Thank you. And uh, we're going to uh, do our next thing that we always do, and that's uh, have one of those fun Jodies. And everybody loves them. Okay, there we go. We're we're ready to do that last half mile, and uh, we're going to be doing it talking about remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. Phil, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, David. And Good. you? I'm doing just fine for a Monday, and uh, I always like to get... To get the Mondays behind me, you know, and just like just like being in uh, the military, you always look forward to uh, Fridays and uh, being off for a weekend most of the time. Not all of the time, but and it depends on what uh, where you're deployed or what you're doing. But uh, I think you've got some good news. Let's uh, if we'll start out and if you'll tell us about it and the uh, HR and I don't know the number. Are you referring to uh, the use of uh, the DBQs? Uh, well, and actually, I was thinking more about the uh, uh, acceptance of the burn pits, but I go into the other, and what's on the DD2? Or well, <clears throat> disability benefits questionnaires, uh, or DBQs, uh, those are used for uh, veterans that are... Uh, <clears throat> filing claims, uh, it uh, basically 
is sort of a roadmap for uh, a, a doctor or a, some medical practitioner to fill out <clears throat> that uh, helps uh, guides their diagnosis so that it uh, asks the questions that are most pertinent to the uh, standards in Title 38 of the U.S. Code for VA disabilities. Um, without knowing <clears throat> what what the law says, it's hard for a, uh, a practitioner to uh, write a, a precise diagnosis that will fit whatever uh, disability level uh, is prescribed in the law. But these questionnaires were designed to uh, to assist in the gathering classification of uh, diagnoses so that, uh, that it helps the uh, decision maker on the claim uh, see if, if the, it meets or does not meet <clears throat> the standards in the law. And for a while there, uh, about a year ago, the VA uh, took those away and they said they would only use those for their uh, <clears throat> for their own contract physicians and you couldn't really use that uh, for your own private independent medical exam. Um, and, uh, you know, some of us, including myself, got involved in uh, contacting our elected representatives and saying <clears throat> this was not right. You can't have a, a form, a government form that's off limits to uh, the civil population. Um, you know, certain exceptions for national security, but this... Uh, <clears throat> certainly wasn't that. We don't have a secret government, and we shouldn't have secret forms. So on his way out of office, President Trump signed into law a uh, provision that directed the VA to make these uh, disability benefits questionnaires uh, available to the public again, and uh, they've done so. So that's uh, that's the thing. Uh, but uh, as far as the... Uh, Wasn't there uh, recently, I think you sent me an email on uh, House Resolution? Uh, <clears throat> HR is a House of Representatives uh, bill. Um, so uh, on, on the 8th of April, uh, Elisa, uh, Alyssa uh, Slotkin of uh, Michigan, a uh, member of the House Veterans Affairs Committee, and also Representative Pete uh, Mayer of Michigan, introduced... Uh, H.R. 2436, which is the Veteran Burn Pit Exposure Recognition Act, uh, and it has a companion bill in the Senate, S. 437. <clears throat> uh, currently, the Department of Veterans Affairs does not provide a presumption of service connection for diseases related to burn pit exposure, uh, and exposed veterans must file for direct service connection and the VA has denied nearly 80% of those claims since 2007. But a recent report from the National Academies uh, notes there is currently insufficient evidence for presumptive diseases and that more studies are needed. However, Congress can take action now and not wait for studies to be completed. Uh, H.R. 2436 would concede exposure to burn pits to any veteran who was exposed to specific toxins uh, currently accepted by the VA and served in certain locations with burn pits recognized by the VA. So if the evidence is not sufficient for the VA to grant the claim, the bill requires the VA to request a medical opinion to address the association of the veterans claimed disease for the unknown toxins. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, this is a movement. It's not, it's not law yet. But uh, it's uh, in the House uh, and also in the Senate uh, moving forward. When we'll see. Uh, we'll see where that goes. Uh, once again, uh, those are uh, HR twenty four thirty six, and the other is uh, the companion in the Senate is uh, S 
Uh, so you, uh, anybody listening can contact their elected representatives and ask them to support those. Um, so the burn pits uh, actually started uh, with Desert Shield. Uh, they were looking, the, the Department of Defense was looking for an expedient way to get rid of the waste uh, that was generated by our troops and their activities. And, you know, <clears throat> If people don't really understand, uh, if you've never been part of a large operation like uh, Desert Shield, it, you come into a place, uh, you bring your own uh, civilization with you uh, to, to support your troops, everything from feeding and maintaining and, uh, you know, transporting, uh, supplying uh, and caring, you know, for the waste. Uh, it's, all, it's all part of this civilization. Called, uh, called uh, logistics, I believe. Yes, logistics. And uh, well, then we go and <clears throat> we use our armed forces to destroy the civilization of our adversaries. And then we go and build up a new civilization where we had uh, kind of cut the other one short. So, <clears throat> uh, so what they've done is uh, the. Uh, Various amounts of types of waste burn and the smoke release maybe made up any number of uh, toxic chemicals. Uh, they burned um, uh, in these open air pits as a means uh, of disposal of uh, metal, rubber, chemicals, paint, medical waste, munitions, unexploded ordnance, petroleum products, any human waste, plastics, and other forms of waste, and. Uh, Apparently, <clears throat> when you mix up something that's uh, kind of toxic as that and you uh, aerosol it by burning it, sending it out into the atmosphere, uh, well, uh, you, you can cause some problems. Um, so the initial exposures were eye irritation, burning, coughing, throat irritation, difficulty breathing, itching skin, rashes. Uh, <clears throat> Some of the long-term effects include, but are not limited to, uh, reduced central nervous system function, reduced liver or kidney function, stomach, so, respiratory, or skin cancers. So literally, this this was our service putting in these bin, uh, burn pits? Yeah. Yeah, this is, you know, in, in Vietnam, uh, we decided that we wanted to be able to take a look at the landscape without the jungle so we come up with <laughs> Agent, Agent Orange. Orange to spray all over the, uh, the jungle and of course also sprayed on everybody else in the jungle including our folks and um, <clears throat> apparently it's not just a poison for plants but it's also not very good for people so they wound up with a whole uh, laundry list of uh, diseases that uh, that are Assumed to have been caused by uh, by Agent Orange, but they were not able to really uh, show enough causality until uh, veterans of the Vietnam conflict registered in the Agent Orange database and allowed the uh, the VA to study their uh, their conditions as they've uh, progressed, and they've found certain trends that were. <clears throat> uh, coincidental with uh, service in, in those affected areas. Uh, and so, uh, you know, the fallout is if, if you have one of these conditions, you, uh, you know, from Agent Orange, you, uh, in order to show service connection on anything that's a presumed disorder, uh, all you have to show is that you served uh, in that area uh, and during the times uh, associated and uh, so that <clears throat> the law under Agent Orange requires them to uh, to assume that it's uh, or presume that it's uh, service connected and uh, so these other things are uh, also uh, being uh, added to that Okay, uh, uh, Phil, 
We're gonna we're gonna have to take a quick break here. We're against uh, time right now, so we'll be back talking more about the burn pits right after this. Hi, this is Rocky Blair, former four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vietnam veteran. As a board member, I'd like to talk to you about Warriors to Citizen, a nonprofit organization that helps American heroes, soldiers, police, fire, EMT, and their families recover from the psychological harm caused by career-induced stress. Over the last 20 years, broken relationships have been a major causal factor for the highest document divorce rate and resulting suicides in this population. This program, from Warriors to Citizen, is delivered free to families by professionals, all whom served in uniform and understand the needs to be addressed. I ask for your support. So please, go to our website, warriorstocitizen.org, and find out how you can help, either by making a donation or sharing this information with an American hero that you may know. And thank you. Hello, my name is Rick White, and I'm the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. I want to encourage all Georgia veterans to consider being nominated to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And if you are a Georgia veteran, then the definition of a Georgia veteran is either you were born in the state of Georgia, or you've lived here 10 years, or you were raised your right hand and joined the military in this state, you are considered a Georgia veteran. For further information, go to www.gmbhof.org, or you can contact me at 678-427-0915. We'd love to have your nomination for the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. Thank you so much. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back with Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm with Lieutenant Colonel Retired Phil Forsberg. And, uh, Phil, you were talking about the related issues and uh, and going towards, I think, uh, the fact that a veteran that has served in Desert Shield and Desert Storm should uh, be registered. Is that correct? Phil, are you back with me? I'm sorry. Yes, I am. Uh, so, not only Desert Shield and Desert Storm, but also um, so any of our operations uh, since. You, you know, you're eligible to participate in the registry if you were deployed to Southwest Asia Theater of Operations anytime after the 2nd of August, 1990, or Afghanistan or Djibouti on or after September 11, 2001. Uh, this is a practice that continued for many years. Um, and, you know, uh, so why <clears throat> why be uh, part of this? Well, you know, the, the list of uh, conditions uh, that uh, may have been caused by that are, uh, you know, the nervous system, uh, liver and kidney functions, uh, stomach, respiratory or skin cancer, skin lesions, leukemia, bronchitis. Uh, cardiovascular conditions, constricted bronchi- bronchiolitis, uh, autoimmune disorders, Crohn's disease, infertilities, uh, migraines, throat infections, eczema, and uh, also multiple sclerosis. So these are all things that are investigating their causality uh, uh, from the, the burn pits. It's, it's important for... Uh, for veterans uh, just to participate in this because this is how we document and show uh, that the, these things that were, were done there uh, affect the veteran. I mean, you, you need to take care of your health, and, uh, and the VA is obligated if you uh, have a, a service-connected disability, they're, they're obligated to, uh, to treat that disability at no charge. Uh, but also, uh, there's compensation that comes to you uh, if you are disabled as a result of a service-connected uh, injury. So, uh, very important to document these things for our troops, and it's very important uh, that if you're there, you can uh, uh, just go on the uh, the VA uh, VA.gov is the is your entry point. And you can search for uh, 
uh, open burn pit registry and uh, and follow the instructions on there to register. Um, and they'll, you know, give you a questionnaire uh, and uh, you'll, you'll be part of their database and they may ask you to uh, submit to certain uh, tests or uh, whatever. But, Phil, uh, Phil are, the, are the civilian doctors up to speed? Uh, I know with Agent Orange, it took them a while to get up to speed on uh, their patients coming in and different complaints. But with uh, the burn pits, are the civilian doctors up to speed, or would you find that uh, the VA doctors probably are on top of it better? Well, you know, <clears throat> doctors, uh, for the most part, I don't think really care about causality. Uh, other than if they can come up with some preventative method. But, uh, you know, our doctors are uh, skilled at, at treating the disorders and uh, uh, and symptoms that uh, are accompanying that. And, uh, you know, what what you really want is, is a qualified uh, doctor to, uh, to diagnose these things. And these can all be used as... Uh, as evidence in your claim, but most importantly, uh, you want that for uh, for treating the condition itself. So, <clears throat> uh, I, I wouldn't expect it's necessarily the case that your family practice doctor might say, "Well, you have this because you were exposed to um, uh, burn pits in Southwest Asia." Rather, uh, you know, it, it would be more important for them to document. The, uh, uh, the the condition itself, and uh, and then of course when we get the registry to the point where uh, we've acknowledged these conditions, and then uh, just having uh, in your records that you served in those areas at that time would be uh, would be sufficient to show service connection. Or uh, as, uh, working in the DAV. Uh are you seeing more, or are there more and more? As and obviously, uh, more veterans are returning from the Gulf. Uh, but are are the numbers increasing with problems? Um, <clears throat> you know, my anecdotal information is uh, yes, but uh, you know, you, you uh, really. It's the uh, it's the hidden numbers that uh, are the most elusive. And that's why you know I make this uh, sort of impassioned uh, request for for veterans uh, who served in these situations to uh, you know to to come forward and uh, get uh, get this recognized because it's uh, it's the only way we can do this. You do this uh, for yourself, but you also be doing it for the greater community of. Uh, folks you served with and uh, you know it's one additional method of service that you can do to your comrades um, <clears throat> I would say so you, you made a, uh, an allusion to it uh, and uh, those who may not be regular listeners uh, to the program may not know that uh, I'm a volunteer service officer with uh, disabled American veterans and uh, we assist veterans in filing their claims and uh, uh, and getting the benefits that they've earned through their service, whether it be disability compensation or uh, health care uh, or some, you know, toward the, uh, those with uh, greater need might, might uh, have requirement for aid and attendance, which the VA will, will pay for, uh, assisted living and that type of thing. So... <clears throat> Uh, extremely important, uh, and if anybody has a has a question uh, regarding this, they, they don't know where to turn. Uh, I would suggest uh, contact your local chapter of, uh, of your disabled American veterans or uh, any number of other uh, veteran service organizations. The American Legion and the VFW come to mind, but there are a number of others. Uh, just ask to speak to a service officer. And uh, they should put you in, t- in touch with somebody who can help you. And if, uh, I would just say if, if uh, that fails, then uh, uh, 
contact David, and uh, he'll put me in touch with you, and we'll get you some help. Phil, let me ask you, um, not that not that our government has ever done anything dumb, uh, <laughs> but, okay, we, we learned about Agent Orange, and now we're learning about burn pits. Do you see a time that they will say, okay, uh, we're not going to use burn pits anymore or we're going to figure out a better disposal method than, you know, they can't put it in the local river either. So uh, do you think they will come up with uh, some kind of technology that will uh, be a pure and better way of disposal? Because like you said initially, you're coming in and taking over a city, and and uh, that's where civil affairs used to come in many years ago. But at the same token, uh, it it's something that's <laughs> waste is a big problem in any situation, even if it's just uh, you're not taking over a city. It's just uh, a location where you at. You have a thousand men, and that's a lot of waste and by the time you've fed them and by the time you've done this and done that so do you think they will ultimately come up with a better solution well will they come up with a perfect solution likely not um you know uh well perfect no nice. but better <laughs> it would be nice if we come up with, to, with a solution so we wouldn't wouldn't have wars at all um however uh that's uh, that's going to have to wait, um, <clears throat> but uh, perfect solution. I don't know. You know, uh, when you're in a, in a uh, uh, situation, you know, combat type situation, it's uh, you have a lot of pressures on you to get the job done and sort out the uh, the unintended consequences later, uh, and that's sort of where we. We find ourselves a lot of the time. Uh, if you're using the Department of Defense to uh, advance your uh, uh, national strategic goals, then you, uh, you're probably already in a difficult situation. Um, so uh, I think it's always going to be suboptimal. Hmm. Well, hopefully uh, I'm like you. I'd rather do away with the wars than the waste. Yeah, it'd be nice if our, uh, if our armed forces were only there for parade ceremonies. That'd be nice. <laughs> that would be nice. And uh, like you said, uh, I don't anticipate that. But, you know, I guess what folks have to understand, too, is it's like if something were to happen and waste disposal was shut down in Atlanta, Georgia for a month. You know, can you imagine what, how traumatic that would be? And it would make COVID look like uh, an amateur, probably. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I remember uh, growing up in New York during the uh, late 60s, early 70s. We had uh, sanitation workers strike, and it was... Uh, didn't take long for us to understand the, the value of sanitation workers. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I remember that period of time. And uh, uh, it just, I guess it's a subject that nobody really wants to address, but it's its with us 24-7. And, uh, you know, uh, just like you said with the, the burn pits in, uh, in the Gulf, uh, you've got everybody throwing everything into an area. And, you know, just, and I think uh, most people will understand or do understand that plastic bottles are one of the most carcin, when they're burning, are one of the most carcinogenic products in the, in the world. And, you know, I, I certainly don't have the answer, and I, I'm just, I'm curious if somebody's even looking into the answer, the what if, you know? Yeah, uh, <clears throat> it's important, and you know, of course, in anything in government, not only just military, but anything in government, you know, their their biggest uh, 
nemesis, uh, the uh, unintended consequences of, of their actions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, you can't just throw money at situations because uh, eventually, as Margaret Thatcher says, eventually you run out of other people's money. Very correct. And uh, I think we're, uh, with that being political, we're getting into that situation uh right now and uh, I have no clue where it's going to go or who's going to stand up and uh, try to do something about it but uh, back to the burn pits as you were flying over did you fly over many of them? Uh, well I, I would say they probably were concentrated closer to your, your troop concentrations uh, those uh you know, infantry divisions that were on the move, they, uh, well, they probably just dug a hole in the sand and, and left their waste behind. They didn't have uh, uh, much uh, time or, or uh, other resources uh, expendable. Uh, but uh, the folks that were back in, in the rear and, and maybe stuff that had been collected forward and brought back, uh, you find those, um, you know, in, in the vicinity of where the where the uh, sort of the uh, living areas were for for the uh, those troops, and uh, so <clears throat> yeah, there was a there were some that we flew over. But on the other hand, uh, the uh, you know, of course, one of the major things that that I faced were the uh, were the oil well fires that uh, Saddam had decided to light on fire and uh, so uh, regardless if it's uh, if it's the oil well fires or if it's uh, um, you know our own burning of our own waste uh, you know if it if it's incidental to uh, having served there then uh, you know it's, it's the obligation of our government to take care of the health uh, issues that arose out of that. And like you said, the uh, the oil well fires were toxic as well, and very yeah. toxic. And, you know, yeah. I, uh, I was amazed. Well, Saddam Hussein was crazy. I don't think there's any way, any other way to judge him other than he was crazy. He was crazy to start the war. He was crazy to think he could do anything against the United States. And he was crazy when he torched the wells. And uh, what a waste. What a waste. But uh, like I said, I don't think, I think he was certifiably nuts. And uh, that'll... As history goes on, I think that'll be proven more and more in, in his uh, lack of quality decisions and stupid decisions, as a matter of fact. Yeah, I, I think uh, history will bear out the, uh, the uh, miscalculations that he made over the course of time. Uh, <clears throat> however, uh, he, you know, I think he was... Uh, you know, found himself in a in a position where, uh, at some point, he'd convinced himself he'd never have to deal with the consequences of uh, his actions. And unfortunately, when you become as evil as he was, uh, there's no there's no road roadway, and there's no roadmap back to uh, you know joining uh, civilization again. You're you're kind of made your bed, and you sort of sleep in it yeah and uh he took a lot of folks with him but uh you know i think it uh shows the fact that ultimately good does win over bad and evil and uh this man was was certainly evil um so back to back to the uh let's let's get back quickly um to what you say about um, the fact that people, that veterans from the Gulf War 
need to go to their VA? Do they go to the VA or can they register online? You can do all the registry online. Okay. Uh, it doesn't take very long. The VA will contact you and ask you to come in and, and do a, uh, a short physical with them. Of course, there's no charge for that. Uh, and uh, if you uh, if you have to travel more than about 20 miles, I think they'll reimburse you for your mileage as well. And I guess the good news, too, is that the uh, Personnel Record Center is open and back to operations uh, operational if if they need to get their records besides the, obviously you've got the DD214 which is uh, basically the honorable discharge but it doesn't identify where you serve so what's the what do you well, get to identify on your DD214 for instance it, you know if you served in the Republic of Vietnam and you are trying to document that for Agent Orange there's a campaign ribbon and only folks that served in that theater were ever awarded that campaign ribbon, and, and that is noted on your DE-214, and that's precisely the reason for it. Oh, okay. uh, likewise, uh, you know, there's a Southwest Asia Service Medal for, for a Desert Storm, uh, and uh, that's noted on my DE-214. And uh, so uh, there, there are other, uh, you know, Operation Enduring Freedom, has a campaign ribbon that's uh that's afghanistan operation uh iraqi freedom uh operation new dawn um so the the regions that are included uh for the burn pit registry are uh iraq afghanistan kuwait saudi arabia bahrain djibouti the gulf of aden gulf of oman uh qatar uh, Oman itself, uh, the Arab Emirates, the waters of the Persian uh, Gulf and Arabian Sea and Red Sea. Hmm. And that includes Operation Desert Storm, Iraqi Freedom, Enduring Freedom, and uh, Operation New Dawn. Well, see, I didn't realize that because I have a DD-254, I think it is, which means I was a reservist and I got they couldn't stand me anymore. Uh, well, we like to just find it, but the uh, uh, yeah. So, and I, but I'm sure the document that you have lists the uh, the awards and ribbons that you were given. So, uh, but uh, yep, the DD two fourteen uh, is your resume, basically uh, resume and cover letter right there, and that's the place to start. If you're if I would, and I would like to add, David. If any of these folks listening are uh, service members uh, currently serving, uh, they need to, uh, before they separate, they need to get, uh, or when they separate, they need to have with them uh, the DD-214 that they'll get at at their discharge. And then um, also before before you leave the service, you should request a full copy of your medical records, because these are super important in document, uh, well, essentially showing uh, service connection uh, of a situation or a condition, uh, illness or injury that you uh, saw a, a healthcare professional uh, while on active duty, then uh, that, that would be noted in your medical records, and that is your proof. Uh, everything has to be documented, and uh, and that's where it's documented. So I would leave with a with a paper copy and uh, an electronic copy of all your medical records, your DD two fourteen. I would have uh, numerous copies of them in various places. And, uh, uh, you know, just make sure that your next kin knows where all these things are. Very very important for for your benefit. Oh yeah, and and your last statement about the next to kin, your executor or your executrix of your will or whatever the situation might be, be sure they know where it is. And for all of those families, I, I would like to address that for a second, and we do it many times, is that the family members, 
they can go to a service officer just like the veteran can and talk to them and find out what is available and what they should do next. And since I went through a couple of situations not too long ago, uh, I was amazed at the knowledge of some of the funeral homes and some of the funeral home directors that will assist you, and in many cases they will direct you to a uh, service officer. Uh, But they can be very helpful as well. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, that's the, the, unfortunately, you know, nobody likes to deal with the the final uh, arrangements, but, uh, you know, it's uh, much happier to be involved in births than with deaths. But, uh, you know, they, this is the area that, uh, of their expertise and, you know, that they're definitely the subject matter experts to guide you in all this, uh, the, the funeral directors, uh, when it comes to that. Uh, and, you know, if a, so why should you, uh, you know, have a claim for a, a service-connected disability? Uh, you should know that if, uh, if a veteran uh, passes away as a result of a service-connected injury, uh, his uh, his unremarried spouse, uh, his uh, uh, minor children uh, are entitled to uh, dependent indemnity compensation, so a portion of what had been paid to the veteran. Right. You know, we, uh, and I, I failed to mention this, and people that listen in the future to this show should always have a pen and paper ready. And I also want to uh, remind everybody that uh, we worked very closely with Colonel Rick White, retired, uh, on the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And uh, Rick does, he is the director of it. He he does just an absolutely fantastic job. And uh, we're going to play another spot with uh, Rick in it in just a minute. But I um, want to remind everybody, if, if you have a family member or a friend or if you served in the military and you're from Georgia, uh, they're looking for nominations of people that have served. And uh, it's, it's an incredible tour to go through the Floyd Building, which is across the street from the state capitol, and read all of the folks from Georgia, read about all of the folks from Georgia that have served, and uh, everything from Medal of Honor recipients up and down the gambit, and the things that people will do when they're called upon to do them. So with that being said, we're going to take our final break, and we'll be back with Phil Forsberg, Lieutenant Colonel, retired, and... uh, uh, Phil's the only uh, host that makes me stand at attention the whole time, but that's okay. Hello, my name is Rick White, and I'm the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. I want to encourage all Georgia veterans to consider being nominated to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And if you are a Georgia veteran, and the definition of a Georgia veteran is either you were born in the state of Georgia, or you've lived here 10 years, or you were raised your right hand and joined the military in this state, you are considered a Georgia veteran. For further information, go to www.gmv. HOF.org, or you can contact me at 678-427-0915. We'd love to have your nomination for the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. Thank you so much. Hi, this is Rocky Blair, former four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vietnam veteran. As a board member, I'd like to talk to you about Warriors to Citizen, a nonprofit organization that helps American heroes, soldiers, police, fire, EMT, and their families recover from the psychological harm caused by career-induced stress. Over the last 20 years, broken relationships have been a major causal factor for the highest document divorce rate and resulting suicides in this population. This program, from Warriors to Citizen, is delivered free to families by professionals, all whom served in uniform and understand the needs to be addressed. I ask for your support. So please, go to our website, warriorstocitizen.org, and find out how you can help, either by making a donation or sharing this information with an American hero that you may know. And thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. 
And we're back on America's Web Radio talking about remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm and how important that is. And uh, I always put out one little deal, one little snippet about my major in the Air Force. And the news from Shaw Air Force Base is that there's another one coming. His first child's on its way. But uh, we've got a few months before... I think it's a she, and he thinks it's a he, but we'll see. They can still serve either one of them. And, you know, uh, Phil, I was listening to um, someone the other day, and I can't remember what the situation was, but uh, all of the the recognition should always be now almost 50-50 with, you know, 50% of the people serving today are women, and they're doing a great job. And uh, I personally have a a problem with women going into combat, not from the fact that whether they should go into combat or not, but if they're ever taken prisoner of war. And that's uh, as a POW, I I just that has a, I have a problem with that and women serving. But other than that, they um, they do a, a good job, uh, and I think it's uh, well. It's uh, in fact I know. Peachtree Corners, the memorial that they have now, and uh, uh, Alex Wright and I, he was on the other day talking about the memorial, and uh, one of the scenes is of an Air Force pilot, and it is a woman, and they decided on that for just that reason, to show women uh, not just as nurses or not just as secretaries, but they are combat ready just like men are today. And uh, so we want to salute any and everybody that has served and is serving. And uh, we always have them in our prayers, always. So back to uh, Desert Shield and Desert Storm and uh, those stinky burn pits. And, you know, I had the, I had the misassumption that it was the enemy doing it and not our our doings. Am I wrong, Phil? No, no you're not wrong. And, uh, you know, of course, the Viet Cong aren't the ones that sprayed uh, Agent Orange on us. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that brings up a, a question that, again, just one of my questions is that it would be... I think, very interesting for, I don't know who it would fall under, whether it be the DOD or, or who, but to go back to Vietnam and see what their civilian population or military population, how they have suffered from Agent Orange, and then also uh, do the same thing with the uh, burn pits at some point. Yeah, uh, well, you know, you might have to go through State Department or something to get uh, that kind of information. Um, the uh, I know, uh, I went to Vietnam last year, and uh, and uh, we, we worked with uh, uh, basically trying to get uh, 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 heart surgery to, to repair heart defects uh, in children there. And, uh, you know, it could easily uh, be traced to uh, the, uh, the, the uh, Agent Orange exposure. Um, the, the outfit I went with was called Healing Hearts Vietnam. And they, they specialize in providing uh, life-saving heart surgery for, uh, for Vietnamese kids diagnosed with, uh, with heart problems. You know, I guess uh, the one thing that right now we certainly couldn't afford, but is to go in and uh, make that study and then come to some conclusion where Vietnam or any place else could say, well, I think I think you owe us. And uh, I'm sure they would. Well, I think, uh, I think, you know, the Germans and the Japanese have given an instruction basically saying, that, you know, that if you want the U.S. to take care of you, go just go ahead and surrender. Yeah, that's true. 
But anyway, so what have have you heard any predictions or anyone uh, saying what may be coming down the road as a result of uh, the burn pits? You know, are we looking at uh, just like Agent Orange? Uh, it's still striking friends of, or when I say striking, it's still affecting friends, you know, after 50 years, 60 years. And, uh, you know, we're 30 years into the Gulf War, so do you think that uh, there are going to be effects on out 50, 60, 100 years? Uh, well, not 100 you know. years, but, uh, you know, another 20, 30 years, 40 years? years maybe if, if it uh, has residual effects and you know follow on generations but uh, I would uh, I would hope we could get a little closer to uh, you know fixing uh, what we've what we've messed up uh, uh, you know closer in time to, to when we actually did it it's uh, you know it would be best if uh, those who were directly affected could uh, could uh, benefit from from the remedial action. Too many, too many of the Vietnam uh, veterans that you know have already passed away from Agent Orange related uh, conditions. You know, you know, it's too late for them to ever get any kind of uh, just uh, compensation for for what they suffered. Sure. And they did, and it was, uh, in many cases, uh, a very unpleasant time for him. And uh, you know, and so they, I, I think the takeaway from that is, you know, we need to be, we need to be careful what what we do. You know, actions have consequences. And, you know, uh, no, uh, nobody in a in an emergency situation likes to see their hands tied. But uh, each each time we, you know, bump our heads doing things that hurt people, hopefully we learn something. I think you have to underline that. Hopefully, um, yeah, that's the challenge, right? Uh, and you know, you can or I can. I, I don't want to speak for you, but you know, under, under circumstances. You you try to do the best and the best that you can and and like you said uh, sometimes the best has residual actions that and consequences that you really had no doubt about and uh, I think we uh, we may find this with uh, the uh, warp speed vaccination I don't know. Yeah. I just uh, I just had my first inoculation at the VA last week, and uh, I'm hoping that we're not going to get some earth-shattering news uh, just a little bit too late for me. Yeah, well, I've I've had them both now, so uh, and it, and it's funny. I was speaking with a, a friend, in fact, last night that uh, had had the Pfizer and then had the second Pfizer. And had had no problems at all with the first vaccine, but when they went back and took the second one, uh, had really traumatic, uh, terrible headaches. And uh, I was very fortunate. I took the Pfizer and no effects whatsoever yet, I don't think. I'm I'm still crazy it didn't fix that, but, um, you know, I've been very fortunate that I don't, I had nothing. I didn't, you know, it wasn't, I didn't even have an arm hurt, you know, it just, I took a shot and that was it. Well, you know, I mean, speaking of that, uh, they may or may not ever come clean about this, but, uh, you know, I got marched into a tent one day and told I was getting an inoculation. Right. When I asked them what was in it, they said they couldn't tell me that it was classified. I told them I didn't want it. They said that essentially I'd be court-martialed if I didn't take the inoculation. So I took it. Um, uh, still don't know what was in it to this day. Uh, it was, uh, I have no idea. 
I uh, I don't think that's right. I don't I don't think you can. I don't think anybody could talk me into thinking that that was right. Uh, when I was in AIT, you know, and well, basic and AIT, we we had a a number of shots. But then again, we were also. Uh, had the potential to go into Vietnam, and that's what they said. This shot's for that, and that shot's for this, and so forth and so on. But uh, and and we took that little uh, that little yellow uh, pamphlet thing or whatever it was, which was our inoculation records. And uh, I think you had to have it on you most of the time. And but you know I. I hate to think that our military has ever been used as experimental for anything, and yet in my head, I know it has been. And uh, you know what what you've just said. Who knows what effect it might have in another ten years, possibly, or twenty years, or never. You know, and uh, or may have already had. Yeah, or may already have had. Yeah, exactly. And uh, without proof of, I, I, that's just wrong. <laughs> There's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. Yeah, let me ask you, since you're a, a service, uh, you know, is there any way, a service officer, is there any way you can go back and find out what that was that they gave you? I'm sure they have an answer now. Um but you know, I told them, you know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna put it in my arm, put it in my medical records, and uh, they told me they couldn't because it was classified. Uh, to that, I said, well, just uh, then, you know, just say you gave it to me and don't do it. But <laughs> they, uh, they wouldn't go for that. You know, I, I really, that's a very worrisome thing, you know that that they would do that. And was this a commanding officer telling you that? Well, it was a medical officer, our, our flight surgeon. Hmm. And, uh, so I'm not sure uh, what it was. Uh, and, of course, uh, <laughs> anyway, they, I they, just say, say this to try to energize folks to go ahead and, and get on that burn pit registry because uh, they, uh, they'll make these decisions without consulting you and uh, you're entitled to, uh, to be treated as a human being. And be sure and tell your relatives, your executor, your executrix of your will, let your family know. And there are so many other things, and I, I really, you know, and, and I, I love the fact that you're a service uh, officer, and you know, folks need to know to to go to their service organizations, like you said, the VA or American Legion or any number of them, and ask for a service officer, and just just explain who you are and who your relative. If you're if you're the veteran, explain your situation, and also uh, if you're a member or a family member that has a relative that's uh, is in the military, was in the military, or is deceased, even it may be that something can be done there to help you. Uh, it's you know. The military recognizes brothers, brothers and sisters, and what they have sacrificed to give to keep us free. And we owe each and every one the recognition that they should get, and and the privileges that they should receive as well, and the benefits. Fair, fair statement. I agree. Uh, oh, that, that brings up something. As a service officer, maybe you can answer this. Um, is there or are there retroactive? I know, I know. For uh, 
home loans that you can, but are there other benefits that are uh, that the person is deceased, the veteran is deceased, but can the uh, spouse or or the estate get anything else, any other benefits from the person that served and is deceased? Yes, uh, you know, as I was saying before, uh, you know, if the if the veteran's being compensated for uh, a service connected uh, condition disability, then uh, and then subsequently uh, passes away as a result of that service connected uh, condition, then uh, the unremarried spouse, the uh, the dependent uh, minor children. Uh, of that veteran can uh, can receive uh, also an annuity, uh, you know, a, uh, call it dependent indemnity compensation, and so very very important. Um, also, uh, aid and attendance. If you're the widow of a veteran and you uh, need aid and attendance uh, for for your uh, daily uh, care and feeding, you know, uh, just uh, some assisted living and that kind of thing. Uh, that can be compensated by the VA as well. And also, uh, uh, education care. benefits uh, for, uh, you know, uh, widows and children, uh, and not, not just widows, you know, spouses of. Uh, yeah, Phil, you know what I've done? I've got to shut us off. I let it run over, and uh, I apologize, folks, but uh, I let I got so interested in what Phil was talking about, I just got carried away, and uh, I've got to cut it off. Phil, thank you again for being on today, and we'll talk to you next week more about benefits. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.